Hey everybody, welcome back to the MLB Draft Podcast. I'm your host, Travis Chick, and I'm joined by the newest member of our team at AWM Capital here making his podcast debut. Please welcome Will McGuffey to the show. Will, how are you today? Doing great, man. Looking forward to this. Good. Yeah, you know, me too. You know, and I'm especially excited for this episode because we get to we get the opportunity to interview one of the best Division One recruiters in the country. Um, also, please welcome to the show, Texas A&M coach Justin Seeley. Coach, welcome to the show. Man, thank you, Travis. That's a uh, introduction my, my mom would be very proud of, so thank you for that. Well, you're, I'm sure your mom's proud, and I'm sure uh, you've made Texas A&M proud. You know, just, you know, one of the, and that's actually one of the reasons I'm so excited um, to have you on here today, because, you know, I think you're perfect for this podcast today. And, and because so many draft hopefuls out there are kind of going through this one, you know, what does going through the draft mean? What does going through recruiting mean? And and if you look back over the last, you know, say 10 years of what you guys have done there at Texas A&M, it's pretty remarkable how much it relates to the draft. You know, as I look back, uh, some of the information that I specifically want to highlight is, you know, from 2011 to 19, you know, you guys have had over 60 players drafted. Um, and on the financial side, which is kind of where we're going to lean a little bit of the focus to today, there's accounts for over $37 million in signing bonuses. Um, and what's even more remarkable about that to me is that doesn't even t- take into consideration all those kids that you signed that didn't make it to campus because they got some big bonuses. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that The process that we go through is starts a long, long time before I think uh, – you know, you guys would get involved or professional baseball would get involved. And then, you know, that last year of their, of their career, I mean, there's a lot that gets thrown at them at that point. Um, and, you know, I think we'll touch on a lot of that, but the, you know, how prepared guys are for that last year for their season or even for, you know, they're, when they're in their junior season of high of college, they're obviously a lot more prepared. But even at that point, there's still there's still some lack of knowledge at that point. So um, it, it is it is definitely a whirlwind. It's a you know, Major League Baseball is kind of like Las Vegas, right? Like they they own the casinos, they know the rules to the game, and they make the rules. Um, oh yeah, yeah, they make the rules, and we're the, we're all the people that are going in there to you know to go play the games. And some may win big, but most do not. And I think probably the best way to look at it, you need to be educated on what you're doing. Yeah, you know, and I'm actually really glad that's kind of where you started this off. And that's where I really wanted to focus off. You know, for so many of this elite level talent, uh, you know, typically, like you said, the recruiting starts with, you know, the college coaches. You know, they're the ones seeing them the the first, uh, the earliest in their career. And, And once they... You know, I think really once you guys identify them as elite talent, that's when the agents kind of stump come in right after you guys. And so, you know, and for me, when an agent comes in, it identifies the, the reality that, you know, this is a business decision. It's going to be a business decision for them, because when you start talking about an agent, you're hiring somebody to help you make what ultimately is a financial decision. So, you know, for me first, you know, maybe touch on um, how you've seen some of these families get the information that they're making. Um, and then how, you know, what are some of the things that you've seen have helped them be so successful in that decision process? Um, so I would, you know, kind of backtracking from the beginning of that, that we set the market. Like I think, well, let me back up. The player sets the market, right. And we put a value to the market based off of where they decide to commit and who, it makes that decision on who to offer, uh, who offers them. Um, so their market value starts really 
at a very young age with a, it's a big decision to them, but it's a, it, to them, they probably don't quite consider the weight of that decision at that right. point. Um, and then there's a long gap between literacy of what you're going to, what, you know, you've already set your market value. There's, there's a large gap between, right. you know, what, what the reality of that is. Sure. Right. So, um, man, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a strange, strange process that we go through and it's probably, it's a little silly that we recruit guys at the age that we do. I, I think it is a little silly um, and um, a little foolhardy to think that we know, you know, everything at that age, but truth of the matter is, is if we don't make decisions at that point, then somebody else will. Um, so you, you end up missing out on, on some players at, if we don't. So um yeah, I would just say the financial literacy part of it, the agent part of it, the agent to me, the, excuse me, pardon me, the advisor part of it from our standpoint. Yeah, we got to get that language right. Yeah, the, the, the education of the finance does not come in with an advisor to me until we get down to the last little bit. And it's, it's more, they're recruiting at right after we make that decision with players and that this, that player makes a decision with us, they start recruiting more than they start. Um, probably. Teaching. Yes. There you go. That's the Do right. You think word. that causes any issues as far as the financial literacy coming in so late into the process. And, you know, there's, there's so much going around that last year when you're talking about, Hey, I'm actually signing at my university and now I'm going through this draft process of, Hey, what is my value? Do you think there's, too much information that's brought to the table too late? Do you think there's a point in time where more information can be better understood earlier? And yes. do you think there's a gap in actual information out there? Is there enough information to help these families make informed decisions throughout these processes? No, there's not enough information for them to make an informed. Uh, like you need people that deal with this on a daily basis. This is a very unique business that we're in that it's not like you go to LinkedIn and you, know, you put your profile on there and then the St. Louis Cardinals say, yeah, we like you. You know, it's, it, yeah. it, it's that's not the way it works. You, um, minor leaguers don't have a union. They don't have they don't have a whole lot of rights, um, a lot of people backing them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, in that last year, referencing what you're saying, Will, is there. I, I believe kids and families are drinking through a fire hose at that no point all the information that they're trying to absorb you know you guys are professionals you know what you're doing you know what's in your head you you guys talking to them that's just everyday language to you but to them, most families this is like drinking through and most people i know how i am most people will nod their head and go yeah i understand that without a true understanding of really what they're what they're receiving um, in terms of information so yeah it's i mean that process i it's, it's a never ending process, right? Sure. We don't have enough job of that, of educating kids. I think even in schools, when it comes to financial literacy, no doubt. And then on top of that, you're going to start making like huge life-changing decisions your senior year of high school, which I would not. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting that you kind of go down that because, you know, one of the things that we hear quite a bit is, you know, on the, on the business decision, you know, agents are, are notoriously, like you said, recruiting and protective of the guys that they get, right? right. Um, and I actually said this on, on a previous podcast, you know, I think the reality is a lot of agents, they don't want to go down that financial side yet because 
um, you know, historically they see a lot of unqualified people helping these players that's not going to actually lead them to make the best financial decision. So, you know, what that ultimately leads to is it leads to this kind of closed off, hey, we're going to be very reactive to this decision. Um, mm-hmm. And so what a lot of agents end up saying is, hey, you know, wait, wait until you sign, wait until you sign. You know, is that some and, and, and a lot and they've actually used the term because that signals to the market that you want to sign, which I, I just think is crazy, because if you're hiring an advisor, which is actually an agent like to me, that's signaling to the market that you're exploring the opportunity to sign. You know, what what would you tell players kind of making that um, decision about being proactive versus reactive? I mean, ask as many questions as you can. Like, don't just settle for, hey, let's just wait till, okay, I'll go to the draft first. You are making a life-changing decision. This is how this works. The Toronto Blue Jays have the third pick of the draft, let's just say. They call you, and you have a couple minutes to make a life-changing decision. An emotional life-changing decision. That's right. And you're offered a ton of money right here, but you've also got the Braves on the other line saying, hey, we're at the fifth pick, you know, like if you can wait, we may be, we may be able to put together a better package for you. And you're having to make this decision all within five minutes, five minutes. And if you are not prepared for this, like you're, you're going to lose a ton of money, number one. Um, And if you are waiting and okay, I know we're talking now. I'm talking about the third or the fifth pick, but let's say you're not the third or the fifth pick, right? So now I'm trying to make a decision about whether to go to college or whether to sign, and I have no background on what I'm supposed to do, or we've just tried to shove it all in in the last two weeks. Whenever my season's over, that's like you're you're lost. Like you're losing. You're the, the casino is going to win in that in that. There's a there's a reason everything is in gold in a casino, right? That's right. There, there's something you said there about you know y'all mentioned the emotional decision. For those of y'all that don't know, and, and obviously Coach and, and Travis know my background as an attorney and previously working as an advisor and an agent. One of the key thought processes that throughout the spring that, that we used to take families through was, hey, let's do everything now in advance of those last couple of weeks, so that when it comes down to the last week and you're actually having those discussion. There is no emotion. It's a pure business decision because when you get caught up in the emotion of Major League Baseball teams actually calling you to pick your name, to take you in the draft, to offer you an amount of money that that seems like a, a large amount and life-changing, but you can't even define life-changing and you get caught up in the emotion, that's when people tend to make mistakes. And unfortunately, the the decision whether to go to college or go to professional baseball absolutely will shape the rest of your life. And it, it's something that if you use emotion in that decision-making process, you're probably going to make the wrong decision and it's going to shape your life positively or negatively. And you need to really understand why you're making that decision before you do it. So it's it's something that, you know, I think that the education component is so important to these guys at an early age. Um, and, and coach, let me ask you, you know, a couple of things. When you've seen players that have either, you know, gone in the draft and been successful in that decision or come to campus and have been successful um, in that decision, can you give us a little bit more insight on like what was their actual education process? Like the guys said, hey, this was a good process. What did that look like or what have you learned 
when those those players and their families had good information and were unemotional and made the right decisions, either whether they showed up or whether they, you know, did not show up on campus. Right. So I'll use um, Asa Lacey, who we had last year that was, I think, the fourth pick of the draft. Um, so in high school, Asa's family, and they got to a point where they were comfortable with a number and they never wavered from that number. And they had that number to, to the point that you're making. They had that number well in advance of, and a well in advance of the draft so that they got comfortable with it. Like they sat with it, like they knew it. There wasn't the back and forth discussion of, well, this or that, or, you know, what about this? And what about if it's this organization or that organization? Because this is, this is the game that gets played. They just got really, really comfortable with that number. And then, so he was able to, if they'd have got to the number, He's gone. And we knew it. He knew it. That was it. If they did not get to that number, he was coming to Texas A&M and he was he was going to do everything he could to to not make them pay, but to to, I guess, improve his, his realize stack. his market value. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. And he was so he ended up on campus very comfortable with him. He made a very comfortable decision. And I think that helped him. There was never him looking back over his shoulder thinking well, what if I would have done this or what if I would have done that or what if I, you know, so the days where it's difficult in college, he never was questioning his decision. He hit, was at peace with his decision. And that made me, that's what I, one of the main factors that allowed him to become the player that he is. No doubt. No, I think that's, I think that's uh, a trait that we see quite a bit, especially as, you know, for the high school guys that are coming up. And, you know, I think it's interesting because, you know, at the end of the day, your job at Texas A&M is to recruit the best players in the country and then go win national championships. And so, you know, colleges to me um, are, are a little conflicted and like, hey, how do we, or at least outside in, like they're conflicted and how do we give the guy the best information to make the best decision possible? But ultimately, you know, how do we also get them to campus? Um, and so, you know, I just, are you guys able to actually provide them any kind of guidance in that and because maybe they don't have an agent or maybe they don't have an advisor or parents that understand that like kind of walk us through that recruiting and, and not to give away your recruiting secrets or anything like that but I mean just high level you know how do you arm them with information because at the end of the day the baseball world is better off when people make good decisions right so for us I don't mind telling you so for us you, you recruit the player you commit the player um, you, you continue a relationship with the family to the point where they comfortable with the words that you're using with the how you talk like how you speak like how you communicate we get comfortable with how they talk how they speak how they communicate and then when you get to pretty much like right kind of junior summer like going into their senior year you start realizing okay this guy has a real future um based off of how his current where he is currently um and so we start the process of educating them on what the degree from Texas A&M provides them. That is number one, because we take baseball completely off the table at that point. Like, okay, let's just talk about you as a student. Let's just say that you never, ever played baseball at Texas A&M. This is what the degree at Texas A&M provides you. Okay. And then you start adding the pieces onto it. Now being a baseball player at Texas A&M, now playing in the SEC. Okay. Now playing for national championships. Okay. Now, you know, past that now we start talking about the draft and then we get to the draft component it to me there's a line of demarcation 
there's a line where you are buying your way into the big leagues in the draft because to to me the way we look at the draft and the way we tell our guys is they are paying you retirement up front so major league baseball your signing bonus is not for you to go spend now it is for your retirement when you get done because you don't get pension you don't get any of those things unless you have a certain level of major league service so there is no retirement right and you get to that point, which they all think they will, and they all, and we all hope that they will. But the reality of it is that's not the case. So that that is the way we we work on it. It's a we do it in a big forum first with all, and then we start getting more player specific. The the longer we go and the closer we get up to there, and hopefully also they're getting that information on from another side as well, right? So that the information is adding up. What are some of the things, because and this is coming from somebody that, look, I, I grew up in a University of Texas family. I didn't understand Texas A&M. I now live in don't hold that you know, Baton Rouge. Him. What's that? I said, don't hold that against him. Yeah, don't hold. Well, I mean, it's even worse. I live in Louisiana, have an LSU yeah. degree. My kids are, I'm raising them as Tigers. But over my professional career, I got to take an inside look at Texas A&M and the unique culture and everything that surrounds it and, and how, you know, how do you quantify like what it means to be a Texas A&M graduate. How, is, is there a way you do that? Because when I would talk to players and when it was Texas A&M, there's, there's great cultures. LSU is, you know, it's sitting here in my backyard and it's a place like that too. And there's all over the SEC, University of Texas. But I always told guys, look, whether baseball works out or not, if you go to one of these universities, if you go to Texas A&M University and you're a part of that team, you're a good citizen, you keep your nose clean, even if baseball doesn't work out the way you want it to work out, you're going to have a successful life. How do you quantify that to an individual? How do you communicate that to them and get them to understand? Because like I said, I was, a, I was a grown up before I really understood what it meant and what the culture and the network, the Aggie network really was. Yeah. Um, so we're one of the three largest universities uh, now at this point from a, from an enrollment standpoint, but we are in a community, right? So we're one of the three largest universities with a community feel. So I, I think it inherently builds this like bond. Um, I think that's what makes our Aggie network different than everybody else. Um, you know, if you go to the University of Texas, you disappear into a, a city of, you know, whatever it is now two and a half million, maybe three million people or something like that. Um, if you're in the DFW area, you know, even Baton Rouge to a, to a degree is larger than College Station. So for us, we have a community feel with a huge university and oh yeah, on top of that, we have as many fortune 500, you know, Aggies as there are any other, as there are any other university and that's including Ivy leagues. Um, oil and gas is huge, obviously with the engineering here. Um, business is huge here. Our Mays business school is, is one of the top five, I think uh, public institution like business schools. So, the Aggie network is a tight knit community with like big reach. And I think that's the way we describe it the best. And it's not just a, I think for me growing up, Will, probably a lot like you, like I looked at it as a, like, you know, if you went to Texas A&M, like that would carry you a long way in Texas, but really more now because of the size of the university, it is a national and worldwide thing more um, than it ever has been. So uh, that that's the way that we attack it. That's the way we uh, approach it. And 
and we're, to me, we're definitely talking about reality. I'm not spinning a dream. I'm, I'm yeah. talking about reality. You know, I think that's important because, you know, so often when we get families to, you know, decide they want to work with us kind of prior to the draft, it, what, you know, much like what you were saying is it really allows us to dive into, and we use the term quite a bit when, with our clients is the term human capital, right? And like human capital is your ability to earn money. Um, whether it's throwing a baseball, whether it's hitting a ball out of the park, or whether maybe you're going to be able to use your brain and go out and make a lot of money. And so um, the, that, what we can do in some of these kind of pre-draft decisions to help families come to these numbers is we can actually go in and get a present value of a degree from Texas A&M or a degree from Vanderbilt or, or pick a college, right? Like we can value that education, um, but we can also value the types of careers that stem from that education. So it does a really good job of kind of giving you a present value of what your ability to earn income is, which should help you kind of correlate a decision between, okay, what my bonus number should be. Because, you know, like you said earlier, when you separate baseball, it, you know, you're worth something. Uh, it's up to you to realize that. But when you can figure out what that number is, that's the decision that says, hey, am I going to college or is this enough to work? Um, you know, I'd like to shift gears really quick and just kind of talk about draft and this looming thing that we have over our heads still after a year as COVID. You know, for you guys, obviously, um, you know, the recruiting has probably changed quite a bit, especially with eligibility requirements. You know, what advice would you give, you know, the, the seniors this year who are, are trying to decide, hey, you know, maybe I'm a second rounder. Um, you know, that's where the, you know, baseball America and who knows like whether that's right or wrong, but you know, what advice would you got give to kind of that fringe guy that's saying, Hey, what, what should I do here? Well, I mean, there's a lot of advice, you know, and, I, and going back to one of the points you made earlier, depending on how good a student you are, depending on the place that you're going, um, the degree that you're capable of getting just as a student, I think that that plays a large part into that. Um, because there's, look, guys that make it to the big leagues to me don't ever think that they're not going to make it to the big leagues. But the ones that are best prepared, if they don't, are the ones that have actually worked at their craft off the field as much as they've worked at their craft on the field, right? Like, so they are actually putting weight and stock into those things. And it actually, it gives you leverage. Like when it comes that gives you leverage. It, you know, it's a big game of chicken when it comes down to the draft. Like, are you willing to do this or are you willing to not, you know, um, and increase or decrease your value because a team is not going to pay you what you're worth if they think it will take less. So um, that that's the truth of the matter. So if you think, if you're willing to sign for less, you may be worth $3 million, but if you're willing to sign for seven fifty, why would I pay you $3 million? I might pay you one and you might be really, really happy about it, you know, in that instance. So um, if I am that guy, I think there's a number of different factors that go into that. But to me, it's it always comes down to the same question outside of the education part of it is, am I going to buy myself into the big leagues? There's a line that the that a major league team is going to invest enough money in you that even if you have a year where you hit 260 and hit eight home runs and you have an injury riddled season, yeah. that they are going to give you the opportunity to move in the minor leagues to and overcome a bad year. That's right. That's right. It gives you, it gives you grace. If yeah. in their 
Yeah, you know, I'm I'm super glad you said that, you know, because for us, I mean, there is market value, right? Like everybody, I mean, I, I did it. Like I got drafted, I got to the big leagues. I I never once in a million years thought that I ever wouldn't spend a career in the big leagues. Um, and I think anybody that ever puts on a glove or holds a bat that wants to have that career path, they probably feel the same way. Um, and that's where I think this emotional disconnect is. It's, hey, I, I think that my market value is you know, I'm going to use A's a, you know, call it $7 million, right? Like, I think that's what my market value is. Um, but if you don't, if you're not very well prepared going into the draft, you don't really know what your intrinsic value is, right? Like that's where an agent does a really good job in helping you understand what your market value is. And I'm sure, you know, the coaches probably also have insight with a lot of the scouts to help you identify what your quote unquote market value is. But especially, you know, college guys or high school guys, both, I just feel like there would be so players would be so much better served if they knew, hey, if if I if I don't get three million out of the draft, I'm okay with that because guess what? I may be a I may be going to Texas A and M to get an engineering degree and go straight at you know to work at you know pick a company one of the Fortune 500s or I may be going to Vanderbilt and I'm going to get a law degree and I know that my my career path my human capital is worth. $8 million in present value. So um, it, it gives, to me, it gives people the confidence. And I loved the word that you used a minute ago was leverage, you know, because that's where agents feel like they kind of have you as they, you know, they're able to have leverage against the team. But we all know it's a billion dollar companies negotiating with people that probably aren't even financially literate at this point. And so, um, you know, we are, we often argue the more information that you have, and I'm glad you said that earlier, the more information that you have, the better. Um, and obviously you just want to be kind of sensitive to your time, but is there anything else that you would really want to hit on before we, uh, start trying to wrap this thing up? Yeah, I, well, I, I would say this, I, the one thing that, that comes up a lot, like if I'm talking to our recruits is, well, I can always come back and get my degree. Right. Um, you know, if I sign now, I can always come back and get my degree. You know, Major League Baseball has this this uh, scholarship fund. And I can see both of you kind of kind of grinning. Um, uh, the The amount of that fund that gets used is minuscule by comparison to what's in that fund. And that's right. And Major League Baseball knows this. And you know, the different. Okay, just knowing in the baseball world, knowing the difference between an area scout, a cross checker, a national cross checker, like the GM, like knowing who these people are, you know, um, if I have an area scout telling me that this is what, you know, there's a hierarchy to this. And if I have an area scout telling me, well, yeah, you can always come back to Texas A&M and, and you can always get your degree and we can pay for it. Okay. He's correct. There is a there there is that avenue. Um, the likelihood of that avenue getting used in reality is not very good. Uh, here's the reasons why for us is once you are 25 or 26 and you get released and you are done and you did not you did not make it to the big leagues or you made it to the big leagues just for a little bit. Okay, all right. You're gonna have to go back to school now. How People at 25 or 26, most of the time, I shouldn't, I, should, I would say a lot of the time, people have started a family at that point. Um, going back you're to telling, school. You're telling my story right now, by the way. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> yeah, 
you're, you can know the story as good as anybody then, right? No so doubt. you started a family. It is very difficult to go back to school. They have needs. Yep. Thing is, are you going to get back into Texas A&M at this point? Like, are you going right. to get back into Texas A&M? Is that going to happen? Right. Yeah. Um, so am I going to have to get a degree from like, let's say me growing up in Nacogdoches, Texas, am I going to have to go get a degree from SFA, which there's nothing wrong with that. But, but the difference between a degree from SFA, you know, and we're, we're talking about finances, right? The, diff the difference between that degree and Texas A&M, there's probably a pretty big difference, right? So I'm now I'm getting that degree from SFA and yes, they may be paying me for that, but I have to pay for that all up front and then they're going to have to reimburse me. And I am put, yes. And I'm putting, and if I took my bonuses as well, while I was in professional baseball, that knocked that down as well, the amount that I have. And so the likelihood of guys using that and why guys don't, use it, there's a lot of reasons as to why. And I think people use that as a fallback to justify what they want to do, what they, what they think they want to do, the upfront money. In reality, for us, from a college standpoint, just I've seen it enough. I know, I know enough. It is that the Major League Baseball financial scholarship plan is the intention of it is fabulous. Sure. The execution of it is not fabulous. Right. It's less than that. So, yeah, no, that's, that's a, I, I'm so glad you hit on that. I mean, like I said, you literally just told my story. Um, at 26 years old, I was released and, and, and baseball didn't care that I was a prospect at one point or a big leaguer at one point, at some point there was somebody younger and better and uh, ready to fill my spot. And so, literally had a family started, had to go back to school. And I'm so thankful that I had a wife that was able to help supplement that. I, obviously I worked full time on top of going to school full time. So it's very difficult. Um, but, you know, I want to touch on real quick before we, you know, end this thing. And one of the things you talked about was that hierarchy of, of on the baseball side, you know, talking about the area scouts, the cross checkers and the GM, I mean, going up through that ladder. And I think, uh, you know, if I'm shifting gears a little bit, I mean, there's that same hierarchy in finance and there's also that same hierarchy on the agent side. And so often where, where I think that there's a disconnect and, and Will could probably speak to this more than anybody here is, you know, the there are agents or advisors that are out there that actually are not certified agents. Um, they're recruiters. They're going out to just try to gets you in the door for the agency. And so, so often that's like, Hey, this is my advisor. The reality is this isn't even a certified agent that's able to qualify and make good advice on the finance side too. I mean, there's, there's people that are actually qualified to do that. Um, you know, there's 300,000 financial advisors in the country. The reality is there's only about 80,000 certified financial planners. Uh, and there's only about 2,300 certified private wealth advisors. So, you know, it's you're able to distill down where the expertise lies if you actually know where to look. You know, if I'm if I'm a draft pick and I'm going um, and I want to ask questions, which is why we're having this podcast today. I go to somebody like you that actually understands what draft picks go through, both on the high school side and the drafts or on the college side. If I if I'm a draft pick and I'm looking for the best information I can be, I want to make sure that my agent can pick up the phone and call, you know, Mark Shapiro or, a you know, a GM because he's actually an agent. And then the same thing, if I'm making financial decisions, I want to make sure that that person is not only qualified in their industry, uh, but qualified in the, in the baseball industry. So, Correct. Yeah. And to, to use your point, I'm going to use Will as an example. Like 
if you're going to have, if I know for our players that are in house, especially if you are going to have an, an agent, your agent or your, excuse me, your advisor needs to be able to have somebody in free agency or on their roster that they want, because guess what? They pick up the phone for those guys. They don't, they have the same amount of time that everybody else has, but they have a lot more going on with their time than most do. You need somebody that, that when that phone rings and they see their name on it, they're going to pick it up. And if you don't have that guy, you're, you're in a, you're in a tough, tough spot. No, that's, that's, that's absolutely true because when you, when you think about it, the, the people that actually make the decisions, everybody has their job and there's a hierarchy, you know, when you're talking about professional baseball, but who's actually writing the check, who's actually making the decisions, you know, there's, you play the telephone game and the message changes a little bit till it gets all the way down. Instead of having all these filters in place, you want your guy to be able to go to the top and, and be able to talk to that decision maker about the real decision, you know, and, and have that line of communication open. And if you don't, there's something that always does get lost in translation. Um, and, and so that, that definitely is an issue, you know, and, this, and the same thing on the financial side. And, and this is something that, you know, you look at as who's worked with people in your situation, who understands the game of baseball, who understands like what your career actually looks like. You know, it's, you, you want to understand, okay, my five-year outlook, if I'm drafted out of high school, if I'm drafted out of college, looks like this. If in my second year of pro ball, I've accomplished X, Y, Z, where am I now and how does my financial plan change or does it stay the same? And, and there, there is an inherent advantage of having people on the inside just like it's like having, you know, you, somebody that's dealt with draft picks before coming in and out, seeing their stories of going to college or not. There's an inherent advantage of, of that experience in those same exact shoes, taking those families through those situations and understanding all the ramifications of the decisions and every angle to look at when they're trying to make those decisions. Right. And I, if, if I can, and you guys may, you may disagree, but I also think like just taking the financial advisor person that your agent recommends is not necessarily it i'm not saying it isn't the way to go but i'm not saying it necessarily what you need to evaluate your options you have options like you need to evaluate your options to will's point like people that have actually dealt with guys that you want to be and that you think you might be right like they have dealt with those kind of problems but so when you've got a fire, like when you've got an issue coming up, you've got somebody that has dealt with it. You know, Travis obviously has been a player. Will has dealt dealt with multiple sides of this. Um, well, from two very similar, but they have different goal sides, right? So, you know, I want somebody that can see it from multifaceted angles too, right? So, like to me, that's that's the thing. If I'm making this decision, especially if I'm top of the food chain when it comes to the draft this is this is you have options you don't just have to do what you are told to do when it comes down to your financial you know your advisement yeah no i i that definitely resonates a lot with me because you know one of the we hear this quite a bit in the industry you know baseball is a game but professional baseball is a business and so you know immediately once you when you um I don't want to use the term hire, right? But you agree to work with an advisor. Um, essentially, you've made a business decision. Um, and, and, and I guarantee you that none of the players that actually sat down with that advisor hired that guy and never met with anybody else, right? Like the top pick in the country is going to meet with 
all of the top agents and probably everybody else. Um, and he's going to figure out exactly who, you know, kind of like what you were saying earlier, like who the guy, who, who, who he, um, you know, agrees with, who he's, who he can get along with, who he meshes with, like, cause this is a relationship business. And, and on the back side of that financial side, you know, so often we see the, uh, and we reap the benefits of this quite a bit and I don't want to like discount that, but, um, you know, a lot of times an agent will just say, Hey, you need to go with this because this is who all of my people work with. Um, which sometimes is fine, but, you know, again, it's a business decision and, you know, much to you, you know, you probably don't want any of the players that you're trying to sign to meet with any other schools, but you realize that they are. And so, um, I think, I think it's just helpful to kind of bring into context, like, Hey, this is a business decision go out and find the best qualified people to help you make the best advice. You know, one of the things that we say all the time is you're about to be the CEO of a multi-million dollar company. Um, your job is to hire the people around you. You know, your agent is the COO, the chief operating officer. You need to hire a CFO to be able to help you make really good financial decisions. Like you're, you're surrounding yourself with a team of experts so that the only thing that you have to do is go out and focus on how to be the best baseball player you can be. So, um, well, Coach, man, I, I sincerely appreciate the time. You know, I know you guys are getting ready uh, for a big season. You know, hopefully there's no shutdowns like last year. We can go out and play. Um, but, you know, thanks again for joining the MLB Draft Podcast. If there's anything else you'd like to close out on, I'll let you close it out. No, I'm grateful for the time. Appreciate you guys having me. It's this, uh, the subject that I, I am obviously – or I try to make it apparent that I'm obviously uh, passionate about and sure. trying to get – I try to get as educated as I possibly can. And you guys, if I pick up the phone and I'm talking to one of you guys, I always do get educated on it. You know, it, it helps me. So um, very grateful for you guys asking me to be on. And um, yeah, that's it. Thank awesome. you. Appreciate well, thanks it. Coach. Again, we'll coach. Definitely, definitely see you out there uh, at some point this year, man. Looking forward All right, to guys. it. Yeah. We'll yep. See you on the trail. Best of luck to you. The information in this podcast is educational and general in nature and does not take into consideration the listener's personal circumstances. Therefore, it is not intended to be a substitute for specific, individualized financial, legal, or tax advice. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a final decision.